Hello and welcome to the MTM Vegas podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, the founder of Miles to Memories and joined as always by Mark Osterman, MTM's managing editor. And this week, our moderator of our Facebook group and Vegas entertainment extraordinaire expert, really cool guy, Ryan Flanagan's here. He's going to talk about all kinds of inside information about Las Vegas, right? That's right. Hey, guys. Yeah. Did I? Did oh, I yeah. yeah. That? I think no, that like, was what? about as good of a description of me as I've ever heard in my life. So, okay. Well, yeah. I, I'm going to just show that. I'm going to play that for my <laughs> wife. I'm like, see, this is how I should be always be addressed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is exactly <laughs> how you should uh, describe me to there all you your go. friends and family. <laughs> So yeah, I, I, we've known each other for, for quite a few years from the travel miles and points space. And of course, we both live here in Las Vegas and we can't wait to talk about all the entertainment and some behind the scenes stuff. But before we get into the show, I did want to say that if you enjoy this show, don't forget to subscribe. You can find links to everything we do Vegas related at mtmvegas.com, our podcasts, our videos, our posts on the website. And if you're listening to this, just hit subscribe in whatever podcast app you're listening to it. And if you're on Apple, don't forget to leave us a review. Five-star reviews are definitely appreciated. So, yeah, we're going to talk about entertainment in Las Vegas. But before we do that, we also wanted to talk about status matches because all three of us are like status kind of crazy people. And, in fact, Ryan, we should start with this. Just a couple weeks ago, you were in Atlantic City, and you did a pretty cool status match there that got you like a cruise and I did. a couple it free nights at win, well. right? Yeah, well, tell us about that. So I started with Caesars Diamond and M Life Gold, which if you match those there in Atlantic City, you get more perks. But since I work at the casinos, I'd need the free parking all the time, so I wish just match it here. And you know, you get the hundred dollar celebration dinner with Caesars. You don't really get anything from M Life for matching the gold. But yeah, I was doing a gig, uh, Friends Musical Parody, hopefully opening soon back up here in Las Vegas at uh, Caesars Atlantic City last week. So I figured I'd put my status matching to good use. I started off at, I kind of just went down the road. So I went to Bally's first because I had heard people getting some good offers, but I got a big heap of nothing there. Then I head down to Hard Rock. They matched me to, um, I can't remember the name of the status, whatever the gold card was. I'm sure it was like Rock Royalty something. Um, they gave me $50 free play, and I could have had two comp nights, but I didn't need them because I had accommodations already. And I had heard they used to do buffet passes, but obviously the buffet wasn't open. They they would give you either a buffet passes or access to their uh, lounge area, which you could use. Yeah, there I was too. hoping for that, but that yeah, was those lounges in, in Atlantic City are no joke either. They're they're pretty yeah. good places. So I turned that free play to about twenty five bucks, so that was nice. Then I headed down to Ocean, which I thought I'd never been in Ocean. It was really nice. They were like, "Here, have all this stuff." They're like, "Here's a T shirt. Here's free parking. Here's um, two free nights. Uh, here's a pass." To the Avila Lounge, which was super nice. I went there that night and ate a bunch of really good food, had some good drinks. Oh, and then they gave me a thing that said I could get two free nights at Win Las Vegas, which score, plus $50 dining credit. And then a seven-night cruise, Caribbean cruise for two on MSC. I'm, sh- um, Yeah, I was looking for some kind of restrictions. I'm sure there's probably some blackout dates or something. Uh, it doesn't load to my account. I'm sure it's 15th. like that. It's probably like an interior room, and you got to pay to get. Oh, it's Ocean to... View. We looked into. Oh, that. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. What I'm so hoping gets more. This just gets more painful because yeah. I was in Atlantic City like a month ago at Oceans, and of course, I hadn't. I didn't have a lot of time. Hadn't heard of anything but like free play, which I wasn't going to use, and so I gave up all of that. I could have had all of yeah. this great stuff that you're talking about, <laughs> and I wasn't going to go because I I had heard reports that nothing good with him. Bethany. Who, you know, I kind of just messaged her and asked her some questions. She's like, oh, no, go. They'll throw you some crazy offers randomly. So I did, and I'm glad I did. You know it would be awesome. That's the lesson gonna... I didn't take is I should have messaged Bethany. <laughs> well, yeah. I, when I went, I went, I did all this a couple years ago, and uh, all they were offering was, like, uh, they would cover your losses up to $1,000, but you would have to come back, like, two weeks later to use, to use the free play. You so... know what? There was something like that, but I didn't end up doing. Both places gave me those, like, cover your loss, risk-free bet kind of offers, which I did the sports book bet, and it's been a real pain in the butt trying to get my money back out of there. Yeah, so I don't really gamble, which is funny because I live in Vegas. So, But there were some of those offers, but the playthrough ended up being, Mark, you told me it was like way too high, so I didn't end up doing yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, you had to do it like 10 times. It was something ridiculous. You had to play through like 10, 10 times, yeah. Times or something crazy. But yeah, the cruise, it's ocean view, two people. What would be awesome, although I'm going to doubt this would happen, is if they would say, oh, you can upgrade to the Yacht Club for X amount, which the Yacht Club is basically like 
the first class of cruising. You get like your own butler, like a free massage, free this, free that. Like, if you have a second, like look up what the MSC Yacht Club is. It's that's some legit good stuff. And if anybody knows about about cruises, it's you. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yes. Oh, segue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll talk. Unfortunately, we have something else to segue to because while we're talking about Atlantic City, there's also some status matches going on in Las Vegas right now. Uh, we've talked on the channel about on the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. Mark and I's uh, news show uh, about the win status match, which people are able to match to to get their their status, getting a, a spa credit, a birthday credit. But also, M Life just came out. MGM just came out with a status match nationwide that they're matching a lot of different programs, and including uh, Grazi Rewards at Venetian, Caesars Rewards, the Cosmo, Tropicana, and quite a few others uh, all across the country and in Las Vegas. So. Uh, we definitely want to cover that because uh, a lot of people, depending on your status, you can match to either gold or platinum. I know the big one that a lot of people will ask about is Caesars. So if you're a Caesars Diamond or Diamond Plus, you can match to M Life Gold, and if you're a or if you're a Seven Stars, uh, you can uh, you can go to M Life Platinum. So that's a pretty good opportunity. I mean, we're all M Life Gold. I have it through Hyatt. Uh, we probably all do. It gets you, uh, you know, you kind of skip some lines. It doesn't get you a whole lot as far as you know, room upgrades and stuff like that, especially if you don't gamble a lot. But I've still found it incredibly useful, free parking, uh, all of that. So match away, I think. Yeah, and I, I, I'll mention on that page, uh, which uh, Sean will link in the show notes, they have it for each state. So like for Michigan, they have uh, Greektown Casino on their statuses and stuff. So it's not just Vegas. It's actually like anywhere in the country that there's MGM pretty much. They will show you what you can match to and where from. Yeah, and the reason we talked about Atlantic City a little bit is because I kind of gives you an idea how you can sort of take one status, match it to another, find another place where you can match it. And we do that all the time in the travel world with airline status and hotel status. And I've even written on the website on Miles to Memories about how I, you know, parlayed a, a, a status challenge on American Airlines one year to the top tier status there. Then I moved it to Alaska Airlines and then to another airline and then eventually back to American. And it was it was crazy. So with casinos, it seems like right now, especially coming out of COVID, that they want to do some status matching, and uh, it's kind of rare for them to have this nationwide campaign. The, for me, the free parking's the kicker. <laughs> I think this status match has been going on for like a year. They just keep extending it. For me, the best part is I don't have to park in the Venetian employee parking lot, which to walk across the street to the Mirage, park there, and leave to go to that side of town literally will save me 15, 20 minutes Every day. So Venetian actually pays for parking, unlike Circa. Good to know. Good to know. Pays the uh, employees' parking? Oh, no. They they have an employee parking lot, but it's an absolute zoo in there. Like <laughs> You get stuck in there. Because what happens is you got all the main parking lot coming out, all the convention lot coming out. And the way the lot is lined up, the light turns red, but then the through traffic just blocks the box the whole time. So you can never get through. And, you know, the people in there, they don't. They don't have that New Jersey driving style, let's just say. So it takes a long time. They don't time. just move their car in front and just say, you're moving yeah. out of my way. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you have to, though, when it's that kind of traffic. So I would much rather walk across the streets in Mirage, use my MLF Gold, park in the one corner, which is kind of close. You know, it's a little shortcut to and from, and just hop on a 15 and boom, I'm home. Yeah, a lot of the uh, casinos on the Strip have their own parking garages. I used to work at MGM Grand, and the garage from MGM Grand was at least a, like a 10, 15-minute walk from the building, especially like I worked on sort of the far end of the building. So by the time, like at the end of the day, I would walk from where I was working through down to the employee areas all the way out to my car. It was a good solid mile and a quarter or something like that to get out to the car every single day. Craziness, but uh, at least uh, Mark can't, can't rag on them because it's free, right? They didn't charge me, right? So he just yeah, lost there the you rag go. on the circuit. There you go. Free is free. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I got you know I'm circa fanboy, so I gotta you know be real when they when they do something stupid or bad. But it is crazy that they don't provide any type of parking or like compensation for them to pay to park somewhere else if they didn't want to build a lot or whatever. But well, especially downtown because it it's so packed and there's nowhere to park anyway. So it's like, yeah. where do they even park? Yeah, it's funny you talking about giving circa a hard time and how that might uh, give you a little credibility, right? Because you love circa so much. There was a comment on the YouTube channel today where on our my old Rio video from last year saying that I must have a, like a personal vendetta against Rio for the video 
and that I lost credibility with the person because I told the truth about what happened. So I don't know what they, what they wanted me to do to lie about, about what happened or I don't know. So that, I, I thought that was a little bit funny. No matter what you do, if you tell the truth, you uh, have a vendetta because they didn't give you something or if you, uh, if you give a good review, then they probably paid you. So it, it's a lose-lose most of the time. Yeah, it's always exactly just, well, that's why we just tell the truth, right? Because, you know, we're going to lose anyway. Might as well keep our consciences, uh, consciences clear. All right, let's talk about entertainment in Las Vegas because I've been excited to have you on the show. And you were supposed to be here last week, but things didn't work out. So we're fine. We finally have you here. And thank you, Spirit Airlines. <laughs> so, I mean, we talked. Yeah, yes. exactly. Well, yeah, talk about that because that was that Atlantic City trip, right? And you got booked out there. On a what connection, a right? On Spirit Airlines? Wow, yeah. Yeah. So the show that I'm in in Vegas right now, it's called Friends of Musical Parody. We had a really good run at the D for about two years. Then they decided they wanted more sports book. So they destroyed our theater. We we were off for a couple months. We moved to Paris for like a week. And then COVID happened and we were shut down. And then we were all excited to open again when we thought June was coming around. And then Caesars decided to say no to all their small showrooms, so we're kind of homeless again. But I think as like a consolation prize, they threw us this bone of, hey, we, you can go do the show in Atlantic City at Caesars for a weekend. So we figured, you know, if anything, it was a good chance to get paid to brush up on the show because it had been 16 months. And, you know, free trip's a free trip. And I'm, I'm just the swing right now, which is great because all of them have been kind of on the shelf, so none of them are going to take off. So as long as none of them got hurt, it was free money for me. So I spent more time status <laughs> yeah, matching than actually working. Why don't you explain a little bit? Swing is like uh, like you you fill in for it. You know all yeah, the roles. Yeah, so and I you play all the roles. And you know when it's somebody's day off, or they're away, or they're sick, or they get hurt, I step in. And what's good about that is me being forty now. I've kind of had my day in the sun, and I don't need the like. I like to perform, but I don't need it every night anymore. Plus, I'm tired. You know, I work a couple jobs, I'm tired. So some nights it's just nice to sit there, get paid to watch, make sure everything's on the up and up. Um, but yeah, I step in and I've had to jump in in the middle of the show before. One of the guys like blew his voice out. So they, you know, we made a joke about it and it's like, oh, I'm a whole new person now or something. And then another guy like rolled his ankle one <laughs> night. So I had to jump in. So literally like I run backstage, I shave my face, I throw my hair up in whatever, you know, because you do your hair a little differently for each each character. And um, yeah, you just, you're ready to go at a moment's notice. But you know, sometimes. So does everybody? Does everybody know everybody's role, or is it just swing people? No, just that me. Need we have know? one male swing and one female swing, and then like a main cast member for each thing. So yeah, there's one of me, and then there's a girl version of me. She's way more talented than me, and um, <laughs> yeah. So, we, so, so if like two people, if two, if two people blow out their knees, then you're you're just done. Well, for the we night. do have. No, he just does both roles at the same we have time. An, no, well, I could. Um, we have <laughs> normally we have an on-call swing who we just kind of call in when they're needed for stuff like that. And then usually like we're what's called a house swing, which we're there every night regardless. So, so a lot of nights you just get, like you get paid to just sit there and watch the show basically. On paper. Yes. But there was a very long run <laughs> at the D where I swear I was in like 50 nights in a row and I was a different person every night. So, cause also if somebody gets sick, you know, they're out for a few days. And then we, when we went to seven days a week, I was already in, you know, everybody needed a day off. So I was in four days a week yeah. already. How hard is it to keep all the parts straight when you're switching so often on stage? Af I mean, not, it's not you know, like a few anymore. days in one part and a few days in another part. Did you ever it's like find yourself kind of? Yes. Every now and again, I'll sing the wrong harmony, but I'll sing a correct harmony. So, you know, that's, that's all that matters. Um, I'll kind of stand in the wrong spot sometimes. I'm pretty good about not singing it, you know, the wrong solo. It has happened before because there's songs where it's like... <laughs> Joey sings one line, then Chandler sings the next, and Ross sings the next, and sometimes I'll just miss mine, or you know, I'll jump in at somebody else's. And you know, you just, once <laughs> you, you just make a mistake, yeah, once you make that mistake once, you don't make it again. So, but there's lots of mistakes you can make. So, <laughs> well, and as long as you guys roll through it, unless somebody's seen the show a lot, they probably don't even notice. You know, if everybody just kind of yeah. moves yeah. on. Although I didn't quite actually answer your question yet. I don't think um, I was just giving a little backstory. So anyway, we're in Atlantic City. And I make a joke going, oh, like, make sure there doesn't book us on an overnight on Spirit with a layover. And, of course, that's exactly what they booked because Atlantic City has an airport. Caesar's too. going all out taking care of you guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Spirit's the only airline that flies out of there. So if, if they're having problems, you're basically, you know, tough break. So we go to leave Las Vegas Friday night. 
we didn't have to be, you know, we had a show Sunday. So Saturday was a free day. We have a red eye. We're supposed to go to Orlando and then to Atlantic City. So we get on and then they're like, just kidding. We don't have a captain. So everybody off. And we don't know how long it's going to be. So I immediately start looking for options. And I see that there's a flight on Spirit leaving. And Spirit doesn't have an interline agreement, so they won't move you to another airline. But I see they have a flight to Philly leaving in like 20 minutes. So I go to my cast. I'm like, do you guys want to do this? And they were kind of ambivalent. So I said, all right, well, I'm going to go try to do it. And then I'll let you know if it works. And then you can decide then if you want to do it or not. Because you can just take the, you know, Philly, you can take the trains about an hour and a half. And I was like, I'll show you how to do it because I'm from the area. The gate agent, I had to go track one down, and she kind of was like, oh, the flight left, right? I'm like, no, it didn't. It's right there. It's two gates over. It's 11.08, <laughs> and the flight leaves. The flight departs at 11.20. I could tell because she, like, couldn't be bothered because, you know, spirit. But finally, I, you know, I got her to do it for me and one other person to come with me. We board, and as we board, we tell the rest of the cast, hey, this worked if you want to do it. I guess they all decided to do it. They all ended up getting on. So we get to Philly, 7 in the morning. Actually, that flight was actually pretty nice. We take the train, SEPTA train to 30th Street in Philly. Then we transfer to New Jersey Transit to Atlantic City. An hour and a half later, bada bing, bada boom. And it worked out because they ended up, I don't know if that flight to Orlando left. I think it left like three hours later. But then the flight from Orlando to Atlantic City got canceled. So more than likely, we would have had to go to Philly anyway. So I kind of skipped a step. So yeah, so we get there, thankfully. And actually, we got there roughly around the same time that we would have on Saturday. But then going back... They book us. We had a two o'clock show. We were booked to leave at like six thirty p.m. from Atlantic City. We get there. The fl- I'm watching the flight all day because they're having these operational meltdowns. I mean, I'm watching this thing left, and I'm like, I'm like, change it now so I can do something about it now. I could have, you know, changed it to Philly, gone to Philly straight from there. But no, they leave it on. It says on time. We go to the airport, and it says on time up until about eight p.m. Which, of course, is an hour and a half after. And I go to the flight attendant at like 6 o'clock. I'm like, what's going on? They're like, oh, yeah, we don't have a crew. I'm like, so maybe make an announcement? I don't know. And they're like, yeah. Like, spirit crew. I mean, I know they had a rough week, but. It's like it's like uh, American Airlines, how they do the rolling. Uh, we're going to be 15 minutes delayed, 15 minutes. And then they, they just keep pumping it out like every 15, 20 yeah, minutes. When you so can, it's not helpful. You can see the plane is two hours away. Like, just say yeah. it's going to be two hours. And the plane's sitting there. And they're not saying anything. And finally, like, they say, like, oh, yeah, we don't have crew. Because, of course, you know, all their crews are out of position. And they don't give a timeline. And we were supposed to go from AC to Atlanta back to Vegas. So, of course, now we've missed that connection to Atlanta. Once that happened, I was like, all right, forget it. So I just, you know, told my producer, I'm like, I'm going to just dip into my stash and I'm going to fly myself home. So I take an Uber to Atlantic City Airport. And while I'm doing that, I book an AA flight the next day because I got to take the train now to Philly. By this point, I won't get there in time to get anything that night because by the time I get there, it'll be like 10, 11 o'clock. So I book an AA flight. I'm sitting on a train. That gets canceled. And so I'd, I'd also booked a you know Hilton by the airport, like a Hampton Inn, just to have somewhere to sleep. Because at this point, I'm like, forget it. I'd rather sleep. I'll go home tomorrow. I don't want to be up all night. So I booked that. And then AA cancels the flight when I'm almost there. So I'm like, oh, man. So I book a red eye that next morning. So then I'm annoyed because I'm going to be at the hotel for like three hours. I go to the hotel, I fall asleep. I randomly wake up like a couple hours later and I see that they canceled that on me. It's like one in the morning. And, I, and then I said, all right, so what's next? A is no good. So I went to JetBlue because it was the first thing I thought of in my sleep. There's going to be a happy so, ending to this story or it's just going to no. be just one, one, it just keeps getting no. worse, right? And then right? I finally <laughs> just booked JetBlue and I said, all right, the heck with it. I'll go to Boston, have a four-hour layover, even though it's completely out of the way. And then go back. Because I know if I get to Boston, there's a million options to get to Vegas on JetBlue from Boston. And I got home, and then it took forever. But we made it. So. Yeah. It just shows you how rough it is to travel right now. We just had our meetup this past weekend in Denver. And tons of people got delayed, including yourself. Just after all of that, coming into Denver, you got delayed again. Going home, though, was actually one of the smoothest flying things ever. I had a terrible boarding position, and I still sat. And I figured I'd get stuck in the middle seat. But I got the middle seat in the front row. So I was the first one off the plane. So yeah, it works out sometimes. Perfect. So you got your luck back. You got your mojo back now, hopefully. I did. And that'll I carry so. you forward. So we talked about cruise ships a little bit earlier. And before we get into like the Vegas stuff, uh, talk a little bit about your history there. Because you worked kind of – it's crazy because you worked in theme parks. It's funny. We'll talk about like theme parks because that's one of my love in our like internal Slack. And you'll be like, yeah, I worked the summer there. Or yeah, I you know, like I that's a great park. Oh, I worked there. <laughs> it's hilarious. And you worked so, on cruise ships all around the world. Tell us a little bit about that. So I went to school for musical theater with dreams of being a Broadway actor. That didn't quite pan out. But I feel good about what it, what did pan out. So out of college, I 
or actually while I was in college, I booked a gig at Paramount's Kings Island. You know, they came, they had auditions at the school. And I said, ooh, summer gig? Cool, let's do it. And I got like the lead part in this like Halloween themed show. And it literally was like the exact amount of time that I was on summer break. So I went to Paramount's Kings Island in Mason, Ohio. I did that. Good park. Summer. Good park. It was I very like good park. park. Blue ice cream, Skyline Chili. Love it. The beast. Oh, I do um, not like Skyline Chili. That stuff is... Oh, it's so uh, good. Oh, come on. It's too... It's well, I mean, I was good. 21 at the time, so I could process it much better. Now, that, that Greek chili or whatever, the, the, the Greek sauce in, in Detroit that they have, the, that that's... The Coney sauce. Than, yeah, much sauce, better yeah. than Skyline uh, Chili oh. down in... Uh, I always in, joke when people come on my gondola from Iowa, I'm like, if you have Skyline Chili, I'll take that over any sort of monetary compensation. Anyway, so I did two summers, ended up doing, uh, I worked there my junior year after that, and then I worked my senior year after that. Uh, and then I went home. Actually, no, I lived at home, but I commuted to go to New York to go to auditions to, you know, find a gig. Broadway. Yeah, yes. Going for it. I ended up booking Bush Gardens Williamsburg for the next season for like the whole nine-month season. And that was, I was in the Italian show, go figure. Um, and that was a <laughs> lot of fun. I um, had a nice long relationship with one of the women there. And we moved to New York together, and I went and did a bunch of regional theater after that. But then we both actually ended up working on, well, me first. I booked Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines. That was always my goal once I started doing theme parks, because cruise ships are like theme parks, but ten times cooler and ten times better money. So it took me like three or four chances of auditioning for Royal Caribbean before I finally booked it. And I remember it was like 2004, I went on the Radiance of the Seas. We did Caribbean and Alaska, and it was a lot of fun. We did this like... The show called Piano Man. It was about, it was all like Billy Joel, Elton John, Stevie Wonder, Barry Manilow. Really fun. Oh, that's cool. Really yeah, good fun music. music. Yeah. And we had a couple other shows that were kind of weird. But yeah, it was great. Because basically when you're out there, you work like, I did a seven night cruise. I think I worked like three, four nights a week. And then the rest of the time it was just go have fun, party. Which you tell a 24 year old to just go have fun and party. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so what anyway. were like... When you're when you're on the cruise ship, kind of like walking around on on your off nights and stuff, did you just dress normally and nobody really knew, or did you still have to be like a representative? Or how so did that you work? always had to wear your name tag, and you had to be in whatever the like. If you were in passenger areas, you had to be in like. If it was formal night, you had to be in formal attire. If it was like, you had to always be in some kind of like casual like. Probably, like you couldn't be walking around in your shorts or unless you were going to and from the gym. So you had to dress appropriately and wear your name tag. But you could, you know, I I had privileges, so I could lay out. I could use all the passenger areas. I could go to the passenger bars, restaurants, all that good stuff. Because they encourage us to socialize with people, which is just a nice way of saying go drink with people. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, it was a big, long... I mean, I part over the 10 years, I did maybe six or seven ships, maybe seven or eight, something like that. I did a lot of ships. I met my wife uh, in What's your uh, favorite ship? The one I met my wife on. She'll like that if she listens. Uh, actually, but it really was my favorite. No, it was the Voyager of the Seas, which at the time was the second biggest of their ships. This is how I'm dating myself. Back then, the Freedom had just come out, and that was the biggest. I know it's been surpassed numerous times. But Voyager, it was like, before that was like the bee's knees of cruise ships. And it was a great ship. I had a great cast. We had so much fun. The shows were great. Obviously, I met my wife, so that was great. You know, which led to my sweet little baby boy. So that's awesome. Um, and we had, that was the first time I ever got to go to Europe. So that was great. Because once I started doing ships, I wanted to go to Europe and see everything in the Mediterranean. So that was the first time I got to go. Then actually after that, I moved over to Princess for a year because they had this like sick 12-day Mediterranean run with like two overnights in Venice and all these great ports. Way more money, better privileges, better status. So I was like, and I, I had just turned 30. So I was like, I was kind of starting to get towards the end of the rope with it. So I was like, all right, well, let me do, you know, I don't really necessarily party so much anymore. So let me go somewhere where I can go, like, explore and have fun and see, you know, literally all of your, which I did. Then I kind of called it a day after that. About 10 get, get, I would imagine it gets a little tiring living in a small room. And now would you work basically all year round or would you, was it like a nine month, 10 month? So month? it was like, anywhere what? from like six to eight months on board. And then, you know, you would rehearse for about five to six weeks in Florida beforehand. But then what was always dicey was the amount of time in between contracts. Because especially if you're trying to get a specific ship, they only turn over twice a year. So you have to kind of, like, see what's available when, like, your contract's up for renewal. And at the time when I jumped to Princess, there really wasn't a lot of... I'd kind of hit a ceiling, like, they weren't going to promote me to, like, the featured, featured singer. And Princess was, which obviously had a nice pay bump. And... 
there just wasn't any good options of ships at that time, whereas Princess... So it's one of those things. It's almost like you become a free agent every six six to eight months. So what do you do for, like, housing then throughout the year? Do you guys have, like, a crash pad where everybody that's doing cruise ships stays? Or do you do short-term rentals when you're in port? Like when So you're at the time, back? like, I would just... I was based out of New York City, and I would just... It was really easy to sublet my apartment because I had a really good deal. Like, I would literally just post in, like, a group. I'm like, here, my apartment is for sublet for nine months for this much. And, and within, like, a minute, somebody would do it. So I didn't have to pay <laughs> nice. rent. And I, they knew when I was coming back. So I would literally just pack the stuff I wasn't taking either under my bed or, like, in the back of my closet so they'd have room. And then I would just, you know. Because when you're, when you're in your 20s, like, I, was, I could live out of two suitcases. And, you know, I lived in New York, so I didn't live in that big of a room anyway. So living in a cruise ship cabin was fine. But, yeah, so it was kind of, it worked out really well in terms of not having housing expenses. At least just for me personally, it did. All right, so from there to Vegas, how did that happen? So my wife, we weren't dating. Like, we had started dating on the Voyager. But, you know, let's see, without really, like, diamond around too much. She was still kind of with this other guy, and it was a little dicey situation there. Um, anyway, we weren't, like, going to be <laughs> official official. And then I got this, and I knew that, and then we were, I got the offer to go to Princess, and I was something I had wanted to do, and, you know, I wasn't at the place where I wanted to be in, like, a committed long-term relationship, so I did it, but we kept in touch, and then, you know, she ended up working on a different ship with Royal, and, you know, we, we kind of stayed in touch, and then, you know, things just happened that kind of just made us realize, like, oh, like, we're maybe supposed to be a thing, because we, you know, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Like, we went almost a whole year without seeing each other. We were doing stuff where it was like, I was in Europe, and she would be like in Alaska, and we'd have to be like, all right, you call me in three days, 4 a.m., or no, at like 4 p.m. your time, because your phone only works when you're in a port, and you can't, we couldn't call ship to ship because we were on different cruise lines, so literally we had the calendar marked up, like some, like sometimes you could call me, sometimes I would call you, if I had my Italian SIM card in, if you called me, it wouldn't charge me minutes, but if I called you, it would. So, like, I had to, like, leave it in the wind. It was a, it was very, like, very, we had a whole complex system. So, we figured, all right, like, once I'm done, like, let's date. So, like, I was kind of ready to be done with ships. She was, too. And I was kind of over New York, too, to be honest. And so, we'd kind of mentioned Las Vegas. And I was like, well, there's a lot of cruise ship style review shows here. Like, let's give it a go. It's something different. I'm just hitting my 30s. New decade, new me. Let's do it. So, we ended up moving here so that's how we got to vegas basically and how what how hard was it was it as easy as you thought to just sort of break into the entertainment scene or you know how so challenging this is gonna it? sound really kind of stuck up but for me no i booked a job the very first day very first audition i was here it was a struggle for my wife but she ended up booking a really great show that she did for a long time but yeah the first day i got here i auditioned for tony and tina's wedding which is an italian themed wedding with people from new york which literally had me written all over it is that still open at uh, Buca de Beppo? Or no, it's not. In fact, didn't oh, okay. Buca de Beppo actually, I think, is going away now, that location. Uh, you know what? Yeah, they lost their lease, I had heard right? that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I did. Yeah. We, at the time, that we were seemed, in... That always seemed like it would be a really fun show to go to. It really, really is fun. At the time, we were in the... It's now called the Windows Showroom at Bally's. It wasn't called that at the time, but that was the space it was in. Uh, it was this big old ballroom, and you know, it has a big kitchen in there. And it was so fun because it's it was an improv show, like, you know, so it had a script, but then the rest of the time you're just walking around kind of BSing with people, being part of the atmosphere. Like, I started off as Tony, and then I eventually learned the other groomsman roles because, you know, they're kind of similar. And then I did the, um, like, the wedding singer role a few times. And, you know, you would just kind of, and, like, if you were one of the groomsmen, you would sit at one of the tables and you would eat with the people, like, while the wedding would be happening and you'd talk with them and... It was great. You got free food, and um, I made some really great friends who were really awesome people doing that. And that was the first. I did that for a few years. But it had to be fun to like improv with different guests, and every show be a little bit different. I mean, what's the yeah, craziest sort of reaction you ever had from a guest? Well, sometimes people would get a little too drunk, and then they get a little handsy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I got groped a lot. I mean, because I'm not going to lie, to to my own horn, I was in, I was in pretty good shape, and you know, I was. Eight years younger, so you know I had a couple less lines on the face. So I was—I I fancied myself a good-looking guy, <laughs> but no, I would get groped a lot. Sometimes I would have to bring my girlfriend slash now wife in, and she'd get all done up, just be like, be like, "Hey, go take care of him." But no, it was such—it was so much fun. 
It was it was literally just debauchery. And then when that closed, we actually opened again a few years later at Booker de Beppo, and we did that for a while there, too. So when did you end up, because uh, you're a gondolier at the Venetian, when did you end up, uh, was that, you know, a couple years down the road, or... Let's I know see, you've been there I, for quite a while. See if I can remember how the timeline goes. There's some other shows in the middle of that. I worked at the Rio as a Bevertainer, and that didn't last long because I was working the graveyard shift, and that was that was rough. Um, and that was really just like serve drinks and then go hop up on the stage and like sing a song. But really, hopping up on a stage to sing a song would take away from the time that you could be making money, making tips, because you know I didn't have boobs so the what made me tips being super fast like you'd order your drink i'd be there in two seconds with it and they'd be like oh cool guy <laughs> here you go so what venue that, was that at that you had that, that was at the rio yeah but which venue inside the rio no it's just, it just, I, on, we just on the floor entertainers know literally that they're just the cocktail service and they sing it's not nearly as cool as it sounds <laughs> it's, it's kind of like uh no it's like, like they're the actual cocktail service for the casino that's crazy. And they just I happened. It'd be like just being I never anyway. knew that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was good money, but it didn't last long. Um, and so I got, well, I got fired from that job. Now that I think but, um, about it, that's the only place I remember ever seeing a male cocktail server is at the yep. Rio. And I had never just thought about that until you said I, I, he didn't sing. Because we uh, well, they were either singers or dancers. Know. So literally like a month after getting axed from that, actually maybe not even, it was about the same time. I got hired at the Venetian to be a gondolier, and I still do that today. I've kind of worked my way up to, like, kind of top of the food chain. Like, I'm kind of, like, higher up on the seniority list now. Um, and that's, some days is, I mean, you know, some days is fun, some days it's a challenge. You know, it's, it's like any job. If you get nice people, it's great, and if you don't, it's not. But, you know, you sing Italian songs, you pretend you're Italian. It's like an opera singer meets somebody who drives the Jungle Cruise boat. Like if you were take, no, that's literally what I think of the job is because you tell stupid jokes and you make them laugh and you just do them over and over and you sing pretty songs. And if you're lucky, you I think you would make a perfect uh, Jungle Cruise skipper. By oh, the way. if I, I ever get fired, I'm going to move to Disney and be a Jungle Cruise guy. You know, I love <laughs> the rock. So, and then there's some other stuff in the middle of that too. Or like, actually, no, I was doing some shows concurrently with the Venetian. Oh, yeah. So, what are some of the shows you've worked on in in Vegas? So. See if I can remember the order. I was in a show called Fifty Shades, the musical parody, which is a musical parody of Fifty Shades of Grey, which it was risque, but it was more funny than anything. And I played Jose, the Latin lover. Jay, I'm going to think for you. And that was my accent. <laughs> and that was a awesome. fun show. We had a good two-year run in the Windows showrooms, which was awesome because I would go work at Venetian for like four hours. Then I'd go right over to... Windows, which was or Bally's, which is like right down the street from Venetian. I do Tony and Tina's at like five thirty, and then as soon as Tony and Tina's was over, I get dressed and I have to do Fifty Shades. That was an awesome little lineup. So that ran for about. That's a lot years. packed. In, like, how do you keep your voice uh, going? A lot like, of. Well, I had um, <laughs> we I had a lot of you know like vocal spray that I would use, a lot of tea and honey. You got a little little steam thingy that you use, and you just gotta. Years of screaming my face off, it's just like I had kind of cords of steel for a while, so it was okay. But yeah, that was a really fun show. I had some really fun people in that. And that, it closed, but then it got bought and reopened, so, but in the, like, literally, they announced, the group that opened it announced it was closing, and then, like, a month later, before we actually closed, the producers of that room decided to buy it and reopen it. But what happened is, in the meantime, I booked another show, so I was like, well, that paid more, so I was like, well, I guess I'm out of this show. And this show was with David Sachs Productions. It was called Spoofical the Musical. It never actually officially opened because I never figured out what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be like this like sketch comedy, make fun of all things Vegas, but it just never quite came together. It was a lot of work for very little payoff, but it was good money. So so you got paid for a, a long while just to like practice it and then well, they just we, never... We were in previews, which means we had audiences, but they were very small and it wasn't like open to the... I guess they sold tickets, but like we would always have really small houses and we were always constantly like cutting numbers, editing numbers, changing the order of the show. Like every night I had to redo like, I had like 20 costume changes and I had to redo the order every night. And some nights it wouldn't work because they were like full on costume changes. And I literally had like stacks of costumes like this very big. It was, it was quite the gymnastics. And then they just pulled the plug on it? Yeah, I really, I mean, I really feel like it was like a tax write off for them, but I mean, I don't know. Because it's what it seemed like. Because it just never seemed... I don't even know. It's just something was off about it from the get-go. But Was that yeah, at Planet okay, Hollywood? The, yes, it was in the... Sax Theater? The, the, the Sac, no, it was in the V Theater. Okay. 
Sax Theater is where Vegas' the show was. But anyway, Fifty Shades opened, and then they needed a swing for the part I did. So I started doing that more and more, and it worked out because I would finish Spoofical, walk right over, and then Shades had moved to like 9.30, so I was doing three gigs a day again, which was awesome. Um, that was probably the best financial period I had. And then eventually that guy left, and I kind of when Spoofical closed, I took my gig back full-time at Fifty Shades. We ran for another like year. That was awesome. Uh, that closed, and then maybe about eight months when I booked Friends. Um, I remember I went to the audition. I didn't get it initially, which I kind of figured I wouldn't because I was starting to get a little older looking, um, which is totally fine. It's totally natural. And I always kind of saw myself as a Joey, but really in retrospect now I'm more of a, I look like a Ross and I act like a Chandler, but I was trying to be Joey because <laughs> I'm trying to act like I'm still young and pretty. So I kind of just played the whole audition wrong, but then friend of mine was a female swing. I think she kind of talked me up when they were looking for a male swing. So then I came in, did a really good job for that audition. Then I booked the swing role and I uh, learned those parts over like a month or two. And that had a good run. And now that's, uh, that's kind of where we're at now. Hopefully finding a new home soon. One thing I wanted to talk to you about, because your wife uh, picked up a show, a topless review show, which I'm sure uh, listeners would love to hear about, but just the kind of the craziness that they the requirements like the weigh-ins and the comments and just well, she just was like in, kind um, of like a terrible setup for people like they just kind of get beat down a little bit, don't they? It's it's rough. It was, she was in uh, Crazy Girls, it was a very good show. Which if you've never seen a topless show, it's nothing at all like strippers. Like they're all on stage. It's proper dancing. Like and it was good dancing in that show, especially like towards the end of it. You know you can't touch them. You know and the you know you see their boobs, but the rest of it's. it's Kind of very tastefully done for a topless show. Kind of uh, like a burlesque, up, burlesque yeah, type of situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she got, it took her a while to get a gig, but she got that. And she actually ended up becoming dance captain really fast. Because she's an extreme, I mean, she's on top of being beautiful. She's an extremely talented dancer. And that was a little, that was at the Riviera at the time. And it was a little rough for her because a lot of those girls were kind of like, you ever see, think of those girls that just kind of sit there and they smoke their cigarettes and they're like, who are you? You know, they'd all been there a while. There she comes. Yeah, you know, all, this fresh face. And now she's in charge and they don't want to listen. But thankfully, they all kind of got phased out. And she trained a whole new core of girls who ended up being all very sweet, very nice girls, all very talented. Because um, what had happened was Jubilee had closed. So a lot of those girls became crazy girls. I mean, not all, obviously. But they picked up a lot of new fresh talent from Jubilee closing. So the dance quality went way up, you know, and she was always a great, you know, she's now she's a dance teacher at a high school now and she taught a studio here. So her teaching ability has always been top rate. Um, and they moved over to Planet Hollywood. But yeah, um, so they would get weighed in because obviously you're not wearing a lot of clothes. So I get that, like, you know, you can't really be, you know, looking a mess. But they wouldn't tell them <laughs> when they would. Usually it was once a week, but they wouldn't tell them when it was. Because then, you know, they figured, oh, you just plan and you'd binge and purge or something the day before. So she kind of, like, was always in limbo. Like, poor girl, she'd have, like, a cup of coffee and, like, like a waffle, like an egg waffle in the morning. And then not eat until she got home from the show at, like, 11 p.m., like, the rest of the day. Like, she'd go to, like, the yoga stu- hot yoga studio and sweat and work out and this, that, and the other. And so she was always paranoid because they would set your weight at what they thought. Like, when you looked good, they would say, all right, this is your weight. You got, like, three pounds either way. But then, like, if you started losing weight and you maintained it, now that became your weight. So you couldn't just keep losing weight or you couldn't. It was an ever-changing thing. Yeah, you wanted always, to set it up set yeah, it, it up where you're, it's a weight that you could maintain. Yeah. Yeah. But it was funny because when she would get weighed in, she would text me right away and be like, we're going out to eat tonight because it's the furthest possible <laughs> time from getting weighed in. <laughs> so she knew she had, like, a week. So we had, like, a Buffalo Wild Wings down the street from the condo we were living in at the time. And, I like, I would just meet her there and she'd come out to the show. And let me tell you. Girl could eat. <laughs> it was funny. She's like, I haven't eaten in three days. And I remember she got really mad at her boss when we got back from our honeymoon. Because wouldn't you know it, like the day she came back, they weighed her in and she was like, really? Bleep you. Oh, wow. That's, that's <laughs> messed up. That yeah. is messed up. Because she was like, I'm enjoying my honeymoon. And that was the other thing. Getting days off was like pulling teeth. Even though, you know, they would conf- she would confirm the swing, blah, 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 blah. They wouldn't like tell her for sure until like, a few weeks before, and like we had, you know, you get a, that's not how booking plane tickets works. So there was a couple of times where I think they called it pulling a Danielle. That's my wife's name. 
But she would just like they would be like, "Well, you can't all evolve," and then she go, "Well, then I quit." <laughs> she was at the point where after, she did it for four and a half years, and I think she only wanted to actually do it for about two. The last two, uh, she, I kind of we kind of had to hold her hand through it because we were you know trying to save up to buy a house, pay for the wedding. You know, we were trying to save up to have a baby, all that good stuff. And she didn't want to do it. So I was like, all right, well, it's the perfect thing. Because if they tell you no to something, you just tell them to pounce in. And then they either do it or you leave. And then either way, you win. <laughs> yeah. So whenever that came to shove, she would get what she wanted. Or she'd be like, I want to raise because I'm doing too much work as a dance cat. All right, fine. It was a lot. It was, it was a rough. It is crazy. She had fun, but it was a rough go for her. It's for crazy like that because uh, the previous job I was in, you know, a corporate job, the last six months, because I knew I was going to be quitting. So the last six months, I kind of just like skated by. I had built it up good enough and I had a, a decent enough team that I could just kind of coast. And they didn't really notice anything. And then you, you know, they didn't notice any difference. Nobody ever said anything. And you're like, man, is that extra like 10% of effort that I was really pounding it in? Was it thinking that they're going to notice something? Is it worth it? And people have written about this. Like at what point is uh, the effort you're putting in not worth the return and stuff? So it's kind of funny to hear that from somebody else that a similar experience when you finally are at a point that you're just like, I don't care anymore. Then they give you even more than you would have gotten. Yeah. And it was one of those things where like she got an extra amount to be the dance captain, regardless of how much or how little work she did. So like some weeks... You know, she didn't have to do anything, maybe just clean a little bit here and there. And then there were some weeks where she had to replace and train two, three new cast members. So it would balance out. But some weeks she's, you know, having to work, you know, and she would have to stay after the show, which the show ended at 11 p.m. So she'd rehearse till 1, 2 a.m. And, you know, she's doing all this work and getting the same amount of money as if it was a week where she didn't have to do any work. And finally she was like, all right, well, if I'm putting in all these cast members, which she was doing a lot, she's like, I need a like extra stipend to put them in because it's way more work and y'all are taking advantage of yeah. it. I tell you, she for as sweet of a girl she she got she definitely got tough with them. I was very proud of her for that. And it's so funny because <laughs> all these girls for like as risque as they come across on stage, if that's that's the best word I'll use, they're like the sweetest, most like shy girls in real life. They're like the complete opposite like their personality on stage, my wife especially, she's like literally like Tinkerbell in real life. And then she gets on stage and I'm like, who is this? You know? So yeah, it's always just funny. funny seeing that whole different side of them for that. And they were all like. So what is, um, you know, you've worked in a lot of shows. You've you've met a lot of other people that are working in shows. What's kind of like the top tier show in Vegas that everybody aspires to? Either if it's like a guy show, a girl show, whatever. You know, like what are some of the better ones that people is it usually like a long run, running one that you want to get on, knowing that it'll well, be around? Well, it's or? the environment's kind of really changed lately. Like, if you have the ability to do Cirque du Soleil, you obviously want to get in with them because they have, you know, a good setup. They had a ton of shows. I mean, they're still, they're going to have most of them back now. Uh, we did have some good Broadway shows here for a while, but that's kind of gone away. Like, actually, the, the book musical slash, like, review show aspect of Vegas has really, really taken a big hit. And COVID really didn't help with that. Like, a lot of shows closed and just are staying closed. Like, Caesars decided they didn't want all their small rooms, which basically that's where all those types of shows were. Because the way those rooms would make money is they would turn over three or four times a night with three or four different shows. And that's how they make money. But all these different shows, they could all, like, subsidize each other. And it really is kind of, it's not dead, but it's kind of almost on life support a little bit. And it's really, really sad. And and it's frustrating because the demand is there. Like, I had people on the boat. Like, we were packed on the gondolas forever because literally there was nothing else for people to do. They're like, what else can we do? I'm like, trust me, I wish I knew. So I'm hopeful that, like, they get the message that there is a demand for smaller venue entertainment and bring it back. Or that, like, maybe that downtown kind of becomes a hub again for that, which it was before and it could be again. Because there's a lot of really talented performers in this town who end up just working for free doing community theater, which... You know, it's 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 almost criminal that all these people don't have jobs. When, and we could have so many good shows here if somebody's higher ups at the casinos would just kind of, you know, and I don't care if anybody hears because, like I said, I'm half retired anyway. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, I think downtown would make a lot of sense. That'd be kind of cool. It was know, a great setup when we were doing Friends. Yeah. There. It was perfect. Yeah, I think that'd be perfect because everything's so close to you could have a couple little showrooms and everybody could hop around, go to different shows like it, it's easy to get around. Fremont's really made a, a big uh, come back the last few years. I mean, the last few times I've been down there is completely packed. So you definitely have the foot traffic and the people. And Sean's, you know, we've talked about on the MTM Vegas, the uh, gambling revenues like higher there than ever before type of thing. So it's kind of crazy that it would be a good fit. 
that's sure. the thing is if you want to have the strip be more about Cirque du Soleil and like residencies for the big artists like i'm kind of glad also starting to get away maybe hopefully from those djs because it's like oh let me get paid millions to push play um so if you're gonna have like <laughs> well, there's the a big take. artists like i don't even know like kiss is gonna do you know <laughs> kiss is gonna do a residency obviously you know they had britney back in the day and then all those great Adele, stars at the, supposed at the to be forum, gone. you know that's fine but like there's a place for that and there's also a place for the smaller off-broadway type of show just like how with new york there's broadway and off-broadway like that's what downtown could be, in my opinion. I mean, even there's plenty of places on the Strip that it could be, too, if some of these people would just kind of get a, have a vision and diversify a little bit. There are a, cool, a couple of cool rooms downtown, I know, um, that are uh, coming up, you know, not just on Fremont, but just off Fremont. I have a, a friend who has uh, this, quite a, I don't know, I wouldn't call it like a comedy troupe, but he writes his own shows and he does performance art. And I've noticed he's been able to get book some more venues downtown, which has been uh, kind of cool uh, and interesting to see. So hopefully, like you say, hopefully downtown can maybe step up for where the strip is uh, cutting out. Yeah, and you know, a lot of the performers I know, they're like, oh, we want to perform on the strip. I'm like, why? Paycheck is just as good and the show will probably run longer if it's not on the strip. So, for those exact same reasons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Think of it. like, That's the thing, though. What happens when you're in a room, you're in a room. Yeah, a lot of these, and this one thing I've learned with, I mean, I know I'm not old, but with my age as a performer, I've learned, like, you got to look at this like a business. You know, like you can't, like producers will push you around, you know, they'll threaten to replace you. Sometimes it will, but sometimes it won't. Like, you know, you got to know your worth and know what's best for business. You know, that's, that's, that goes with any performer in any city. And that's the hardest thing for a young performer to learn is to know their worth and to learn the business aspect of this whole industry. But it also makes you a little jaded, which again, I'm getting a little close to retirement because I'm kind of getting over it a little bit. All right, before we uh, get into some rapid fires, asking about your favorite stuff in Vegas, going back to the Venetian, um, you know, what are the pluses and minuses, I guess, comparing performing, you know, in a stage show, performing in some of these rooms compared to performing as a gondolier at the Venetian? It's such an interesting life you live. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of rinse and repeat. So, like, I think, and a lot of the newer gondoliers don't quite get this, like, the best it's not about how good of a singer you are. It's about how personable you are. So if you like, it's more important to make your guests laugh than to be like, wow, you're such a great singer because you got to sing so many songs a day. If you go out there and belt your face off, you're going to not have a voice because you got to do it for seven hours a day, four days a week or five days a week. In some cases, they'll appreciate 80% of your best as opposed to hundred percent of your best. It's still more than good because it's in, in an intimate setting. So I think what you have to do is you have to find jokes, stories, punchlines, anecdotes that work that you can repeat over and over at certain spots of the ride. Like, my ride is basically almost the same. And I leave spots for improv. Like, when I ask you where you're from, I will usually have some kind of anecdote in my head based off of how you answer. Or, you know, when I ask you what you're doing, like, if you don't really have much of an answer, I have stuff I can say to kind of make it not awkward. So the goal is to just not make it awkward, you know, relate to people, be funny, be somewhat good at singing, but also be able to pace yourself in a way that you can maintain. Because if you can't talk, you can't work. And if you can't work, you can't make money. So it's, it's you know, it's to me now, it's almost like second nature. I could do it in my sleep. But it took a lot of, like, trial and error with jokes and this and that. And then, you know, when things change, like, when we... When the pandemic happened, we couldn't sing for 15 months, so I had to completely change everything the way I did the whole ride. And even now, like, I make a joke about it, like, oh, like, I'm, uh, we didn't really sing for 15 months, so if I sound a little rusty or if I sound like a dog, forgive me. You know, you just little little <laughs> dumb jokes like that to make people yeah. laugh. <laughs> so what do you think uh, compared to, like, doing a show? You, do you kind of like the how this is more structured? And I know you like uh, that you get insurance from the Venetians. So I know that's I a big one. insurance. Honestly, it really, it depends on the day. Like, because some days your guests are all super cool, nice, fun, generous. That's always helpful. And that makes it easy, you know. But then some days you just, I've learned, like, you don't, like, on the weekends, the guests are a little more rough. On At nighttime, they're a little more rough. So I try to work, I work all daytimes, and I'm slowly but surely getting off of working the weekends, even though it is more money. Because I just prefer that quote-unquote normal guest, because, like, I don't need, like, drunky Magoo from Los Angeles or, like, loud, boisterous person from Miami or or what. I mean, it literally, like, there's there's plenty of 
there's plenty of that. You know, I just, and I don't need it. Like, I just, I want people to be nice and fun, you know. Or just like, enjoy sometimes it. Sometimes you yeah. get people that, you know, this doesn't happen as much because we don't have as many foreign guests, but sometimes you get people that literally just kind of sit there and stare at you and they don't understand anything you're saying. So you don't even bother talking. You just sing your songs and that's it. And sometimes, like, you know, if you get a lot of those in a day, it makes it a rough day. You know, but for the most part. Yeah, and the difference with shows is you're only dealing with the cast and, you yeah. know, you're, you, you, don't you don't have, have to. Have to it's, the audience interaction part is is a tough skill. And my improv background really helps with that. Because you, every guest is, some guests like to talk, some guests don't. Some guests need managing more than others. Some are just lost causes. And it's just a matter of being able to figure out how to quickly read your guest and react. Quite the job, quite the uh, quite the challenge there. But that's so cool to be able to use those skills and you know put them to the test in like such a unique thing to do in the world. You know, there's not a lot of places. I guess Macau also has a Grand Canal shops, and and that's about it. So I mean, it's such a cool thing to be doing it in this city, uh, which of course I love and I'm all nerdy about. So uh, I get all nerdy every time we talk. I've ever talked to we you about this it. because. <laughs> Before we go, I did want to do some rapid fires with you because we want to get some good information. You're a Vegas local now. You've been here a while, and obviously you have opinions, especially because you are a travel lover, and so you love hotels, things like that. So I know you're going to have some good insight here. Let's start off. What's your favorite hotel in Las Vegas? I would probably say Bellagio. It, um, I just love the charm. The rooms were super nice. I had my first anniversary staycation there. I love the conservatory gardens that they change every three months. Um, the restaurants there are all great. And it's just, you know, those fountains are iconic. That's just, I guess it's all, I mean, I would say Venetian, but I work there. So that's kind of makes me chill. I mean, Venice is my favorite city in the world. So the Venetian's really pretty, but I would probably have to say the Bellagio. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I mean, the location of Bellagio too is a big uh, positive for it, along with having those nice rooms, having that property, really good pool area. I mean, I could definitely see uh, making an argument uh, for that. And a lot of people on the on our uh, YouTube channel have said it's their favorite hotel. When we did that uh, video a few months back of the renovated rooms, a lot of people say that's their go-to, that's their yeah, favorite. Yeah, really nice. Even better than Wynn and stuff like that. So definitely yeah, see that. All right, what's your favorite pool in Vegas? The one in my backyard. <laughs> is that <a> <laughs> that's right, um, no. No, um, so this is going to be out of left field, but I love the pool with the Rio. Mostly because it was easy. We would go on little staycations when my son was a baby. And he loved to play in it. It's not very crowded. And you could get good drinks. Because I'm, I'm not a loud and crowded type of guy anymore. I like just enough people to not feel weird. But with like some cool stuff going on. And yeah, I, I kind of have a soft spot for that pool at the Rio. It's a cool pool area. I hope that with the renovations... They kind of bring it back to its old former glory. Because last time I was there, I saw like paint missing and you know on the yeah, waterfalls it's, it's and stuff like that it's definitely on its last so. legs but it it has a nice charm to it no it's got good bones so when they do this yeah. renovation to hyatt hopefully they bring it back and yeah. it will be a very that's solid my thought pool. is that hyatt's really going to make that place sparkle again yeah let's hope let's hope yeah. rio gets to to get back to some sort of glory days because it really was an iconic property back before caesar's slowly uh killed it over time all right favorite locals restaurant Capo's Italian Steakhouse on Sahara. Love it. I've never been there. I've heard about oh, it for so great. many years. I really so do got to get over there. It's like a speakeasy. It's so cool. Yeah, it's right next to, isn't it, next to Herbs and Rye or close to yep. that, the one I, ta I talked about their happy hour uh, before. So, yeah, they're they're right next to each other. And then there's a what, there's a really cool tiki bar. What is it? Frank's Tiki Room is not far from there either on, like, Charleston and Valley View, like, uh, up a block. So you could do happy hour. Yeah, I'd make a whole night of that. All right. Favorite strip restaurant? Gordon Ramsay Steak. Okay. I already know. I already knew that was going to be the oh, beef Wellington, right? Oh yeah. I always, I always joke with my wife. I'm like, if you meet Gordon Ramsay, you you go for it. Just bring me home some beef Wellington. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally fine. So she's a big fan, huh? Oh, she loves it. I mean, I do too. But like, she like loves it. Have you eaten at Hell's Kitchen? I have. We kind of actually had a little bit of a rough experience. My wife was like super pregnant at the time. And we ended up like waiting, even though we had a reservation, we were waiting like for our table and it was really hot. And the menu is, there's a lot of the same stuff at Hell's Kitchen as there is at Steak. So it kind of didn't, and it was, I don't know, the layout it was really big. We were in a weird spot. Steak just feels more intimate to me and more, I guess it just felt classier. And at Hell's Kitchen really that. didn't do enough Less to kind of distinguish itself, <laughs> distinguish itself for me. It was good. 
But, you know, I would actually kind of put that behind Burger, too, which, you know, Burger's a burger joint, and Burger's I enjoyed more than... And they're they're all behind the fish and chips spot. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> drinking game, MTM Vegas drinking game. Mark mentioned yeah. Gordon Ramsay's fish and chips. you got to take yep. a shot. Yeah. All right. That's, uh, yes. And I love the fish and chips, so as much as I like to give you a hard time, Mark, you're not I, I think I use right. my $100 Caesars dinner at steak every single year, every year that I've had it. Mark just uses his and gets seven boxes of fish and chips. That's yep. fine. Whatever, whatever you know, floats your boat. No, we got to use it. Uh, no, last one I actually used at uh, Vanderpump Cocktail Garden, which was I like that. I like that spot. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the, she does with the Paris. Well, we killed the diamond uh, that was there before, yeah. so it was our yeah, fault that that's gone. I now. shouldn't be a, a jerk about uh, that, Mark, because you actually gave me one of your cheese balls from that hundred dollar. Uh, there you thing, go. So, so you gave me a little the, the uh, truffle chips. If you Ooh. just go there and get a takeout order, get their truffle chips. They are amazing. So you, you just you mentioned that we shut down the the Paris the Diamond Lounge. Yes, so we, we did. had a yeah we had a meetup, an MTM meetup there. I don't know three or four years ago, where it was at Bally's in one of the bars there. Uh, Mark, I think your host had arranged the space for us, right? Just kind of yeah. off to the side yeah. in, in one of the bars. Nothing like crazy or fancy, but there was enough of us there. Probably I don't know thirty thirty five people, but there was enough of us there that were Diamond members that had a guest because the diamond could bring one guest into the diamond lounge at, at Paris that we figured that out. And then we moved from that bar over to the Paris diamond lounge where we could get free booze and free drink or free food and everything else and made it over there. So uh, shortly after that, they sort of changed the rules for the, for the diamond. Yeah. Lounge that's when they brought out the $10 for guests yeah. uh, fee. So we, we like to make the joke that it was our fault. It was blame it MTM, wasn't. blame MTM. Yeah. <laughs> And now that will be uh, full circle to Vanderpump Paris. Stay blurry. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what, okay, last question. What's your favorite thing, uh, like family, kid thing to do in Vegas? So on the strip, it would be the, um, I never remember the actual name. It's the Siegfried and Roy, it's the do- where the dolphins and the tigers are at the Mirage. The Dolphin Cove, I think is what it's called? No, it's like the... Like Secret Garden. Secret right? Garden. Secret Garden, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But then off the strip... There's so much good stuff. My wife and son love Halloween, so we love doing stuff like Opportunity Village, um, the Springs Preserve. Opportunity Basically, Village, really quick, is a local kind of charity that uh, gives work to kind of like handicapped or otherwise challenged people. And they do like shredding and they do other kind of services for businesses. But they also have this village in the behind their, their main building that during Christmas it becomes like this enchanted forest and they have a train and all kinds of cool stuff. They also have a Halloween event. And Is that the thing that you did the video with all the light the lights around Christmas? Was that No, I didn't or... get I didn't get over there this last Christmas. I'll make sure to get there. I don't know that they Christmas. did it last Christmas. Yeah, no, I don't think they COVID. did. What was the but, thing that you filmed, Sean? I filmed the the FLM I was gonna say factory. that was another yeah, one I was gonna say FLM. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That kind of stuff, like there's a like a hayride kind of pumpkin patchy thing, like down the street by Boca Park. It's like one of those little pop-up things. That, stuff like that at Halloween, like those little things my son loves, my wife loves. So, yeah, we love – I mean, Halloween is is big deal. Like we're – let's see. It's almost – my wife said school started today, which means it's Halloween season, which means my Halloween decorations are probably going up this weekend. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's been fun in my house to, I finally have a house where I have a little bit of a, a yard and like a front yard and space where I can put up decorations. Because in Vegas, a lot of the houses don't have big, especially front yards, any of the newer houses, you know, your front yard is basically your driveway and maybe a little landscaping. Um, so, but this, yeah, every year I've, you know, bought a few more and it's always fun to do it. Although I don't put it up in August. I usually wait. No, till we like won't a- put the outside up. I don't think we're allowed to put the outside stuff up until... The end of September, but the inside, no, that's a different story. That's Especially because my son, awesome. like, he's been watching Halloween stuff all year. So he's getting ready. Yeah, I mean, that's, their, like, to your point, a lot of people don't think of it, and we know Vegas had its family-friendly era and all that, but there are a lot of cool things to do on and off the Strip, and uh, yeah, definitely the, those pumpkin patches, those those pop-ups. People forget that there's two million people that live here, so all the, like, cool kid stuff that they have at home, we tend to have some of that stuff, and sometimes it's... The suburban areas of Vegas are amazing. There's tons of cool restaurants, farmers markets, stuff like I just described to do. Like all all year, there's cool stuff to do. Definitely, 
Well, I think that's going to do it for the show. You know, Ryan, you hang out in our Facebook group, our, you know, Miles and Points community, but we also talk Vegas in there and you're our main moderator in there. So I guess, you know, in addition to all the other hats that you wear, sometimes doing three shows a night and singing and the gondola, you help us out like tremendously and do an incredible it. job. It's the most fun it thing I do is this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So we, we appreciate awesome. that. And people can, can find you in the miles to memories, Facebook group. You can just search miles to memories community, but is there anything else you want to plug while you're on the show with us? You can follow me on Twitter. If you want, I can use a few more Twitter followers. It's a F L A N M A N N seven one eight. That's flan man. Seven one eight. Use a little bump there. For many years, I referred to you simply as Flan Man, just so you know. Many, it was always my nickname <laughs> through high school, and I just never bothered to change it. So I love um, it. Yeah, you know, I'll comment on all sorts of things there, from sports to miles and points to the state of the world. You name it, I probably go on about it at some point. And Mark and I, you can find us at mtmvegas.com, and that's our podcast. We also do the MTM Vegas News Show on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash miles to memories every week. That's all of the important Vegas news and happenings in like 25-ish minutes. So you can get find out the latest in like status match offers, deals, reviews, all of that stuff. So don't forget to check out the YouTube channel. But you can find all of our posts, podcasts, videos, mtmvegas.com. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to leave us a review. Subscribe to this in whatever podcast app you're listening to. Thanks so much for listening to the MTM Vegas podcast. Talk to you next time. Talk to you next week. Goodbye now.